Thanks so much for joining us for the New Life Brisbane podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planting and leading thriving local churches. In a world that is dominated by narratives of fear, anxiety, and worry, what does it mean that joy is not dependent on outward circumstances, but on the inner state of one's heart? You've joined us in our series, Philippians, where we are exploring what Paul meant when he wrote to have joy in everything and the importance of living in unity among believers for the sake of the gospel. We pray that this message is a blessing. The reading today comes from Philippians 1, um, verse 1 to 11. Uh, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from our God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What's that thing that I say at the end? (laughs) This is the word of the Lord. (laughs) We give Maddie another big, massive clap. That's awesome, awesome. Well, friends, um, if I haven't met you before, my name is Dylan. I'm one of the pastors here along with Aaron and Alex. Um, Alex is currently in the UK. It's like, oh, I'll stay in Brisbane, it's fine. But anyway, he's there, we're here. So if this is your first time, we want to extend a very warm welcome and say that it's so great that you've chosen to come into the city on a Sunday afternoon and hear about God. So that's awesome. Why don't we start with a prayer now, and then we're going to kick in. Lord, we echo the psalmist this afternoon, and we pray this, Lord, that better is one day in your courts, better is one day in your house, better is one day with you, Lord, in your presence and a thousand elsewhere. Lord, with that, we also pray in line with the psalmist of Psalm 119, and we pray this. Open our eyes, Lord, so that we would behold wondrous things from your law. We ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, Jesus, to descend upon us tonight so that we would leave this place fuller, more full of your glory, more happier, more full of joy than we've ever been before. So we ask, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and take up residence with us this evening. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, welcome. We are in a series. We're starting off a series tonight in the book of Philippians, which is just awesome. I love this book of Philippians, and you're going to love it too, hopefully, by the end of tonight. But before we get there, I want to take you back approximately three years to April 2020. I want you to go back in your brain to April 2020. Yeah, I know. It's a bit of trauma. That's all right. We've got some counselors here, some psych. No. April 2020. Can anyone yell out to me what, what signified April 2020? COVID. 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 All right. So COVID. There was this moment, if, if, if 
if you haven't been alive for three years, I'll, let me tell you what happened in April 2020. <laughs> this happened. There was COVID. This virus came. April 2020 was the moment where we were locked down. All right? I, luckily, at the time, I had a job where I could work from home. I was in front of the computer. I was like there in like a business attire, and then, and then I was wearing like bluey shorts. Like it was that kind of season of life, which was awesome. It was like we, some of us would uh, we'd knock off a bit earlier from work and have a cheeky afternoon wine. Was that just me? <laughs> Edit the podcast, man. Um, COVID, right? It was, it was a very strange time. We couldn't go anywhere. I lived at Banyo at the time. The beautiful thing about living 15 minutes from the city at that time was this. Uber Eats was really starting to kick off, and my local cafe could send me a coffee. And it was just phenomenal. This was COVID, right? April 2020. Now, we joke about it, but it was also a time of heartache. There was a lot of isolation. A lot of people felt lonely. You might have been one of those people. A lot of people found themselves isolated away from family, by themselves, needing to deal with life by themselves. It was a very hard moment. But for my family, April 2020 was also this. It was when my daughter was born, Elsie. There's no picture of her, because I don't want you to get distracted. But Elsie was born in 2020. She's cute. She's cute. Elsie was born in 2020. So Casey and I lived in like this, my wife and I lived in this kind of bittersweet thing where Elsie was born, like COVID was happening. Elsie was born in hospital, and we couldn't have anyone come and visit us. We were living in this isolated thing with Jonah, and anyone who knows my son, you know that he is full of energy. So Jonah was like one and a half, two at the time, running around the house. Elsie's there. There was, there was a bit of heartache that we experienced at that. I remember around that time, and I brought a prop. I'm not usually a prop guy, but I brought a prop tonight. There was a book, the cutest book that we read, Elsie, and it was this, Windows. All right, Windows was a book by a guy called Patrick Guest, and he writes this book basically so that parents can read to their children and explain what in the world is going on right now with COVID. And the book says one line that I want to just read out to you, and it's this. And it's kind of got, I wish I could show you the image. It's got like a kid sitting there at a window, gazing outside of the window, and it says this. The streets are still. There are no more crowds. I guess I'll just enjoy the clouds. Oh, it was beautiful. It's a beautiful book. If you want to read it, I can rent it out. We're going to buy some for, for church, for the <laughs> library anyway. Um, but I remember, right, there was, I was living in this, this both end. On the one hand, I was, felt isolated, upset. On the other hand, I remember reading this to my little daughter, 3 a.m. in the morning, and just going, you know what? Even in this season, there are things in which I can be thankful for. And I learned this, right, that joy is not a circumstance. It's not an action. It's a choice. Joy is a choice. And at that moment, and like it's easy, right? If you, if you have a beautiful daughter and that's the catalyst for joy, it's not hard to feel a lot of joy. But in saying that, I wonder for us whether we need to hear that this afternoon. Joy is not a circumstance. Joy is not where you find yourself. Joy is a choice. And at that moment, I remember sitting there with Elsie, holding her in my arms, and then I, I begin to get re-enchanted with this thing called joy. And I don't remember whether you found that or not, but like we began, people began to go back outside. They tended to their gardens. People spent time with their families. People put their phone down and had board game nights. Right? There was like, like a resurgence of Monopoly. Like Monopoly. The Monopoly anointing is released again in Australia. It was amazing. <laughs> this, is about, this is joy though, right? Joy is a choice. It's not a circumstance. It's not a situation. It's a choice. And tonight we're kicking off a series in the book of Philippians. And if there's a man who knows about joy, it's this man called the Apostle Paul. I want you to think with me in a moment. Come with me. I want you to imagine that you are in a little contained room. It's dark. It's damp. You're lonely. You've got nothing else. You've got no one to talk to. 
You don't even have your family. I want you to imagine that you're there right now. This is where the Apostle Paul found himself, in a miserable place. He was on house arrest. He was alone. He was cut off. We, we read in Acts 16 that, but that kind of prior to this, Paul had been beaten, flogged, and hurt, and betrayed. It's like, this is where this guy is. So he writes the letter to the Philippian church from house arrest, and what's the main theme of Paul's message and book? It's this, joy. That it doesn't matter what you experience, where you are, what you're going through, you can experience joy. And I'd ask you this open question tonight, and it's this, do you know joy? Do you know joy? And if you're a Christian, I'd ask you particularly this, do you know joy? Do you know that God came to liberate, that his yoke is easy and his burden is light? So my hope and my prayer tonight is that we would leave this place knowing joy. So for the Apostle Paul, the answer was simple. How did he persist in this, in joy? He felt joy. Joy was that deep and abiding sense of gladness and contentment that comes from knowing and serving Jesus Christ. Paul would write this. It's about joy. And I want you to tell you this afternoon that joy is on offer for you as well. Amen. You can come and drink of that same well that Paul drank of. Joy. There is joy for you. So tonight we dive into Paul's letter to the Philippians. And I want you to keep this at the forefront of your mind. Joy. I'm going to keep saying joy a few more times because I don't want you to... I don't, like, we laugh, right? But we read so many scriptures, we recite them, and then we don't live like they are actually real. So like, joy, what would it look like for each of us to experience joy? So we're in Philippians. So Paul starts the letter by this. He starts in verse 1. He says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons, <clears throat> grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So in this pastoral letter, Paul goes on to say this, joy and thanksgiving is something that can be released to you because of what Jesus has done. doesn't matter where you find yourself, it's on offer for you. If you're a Christian, it's your birthright. Joy. Some of you are like, my birthright is to know good theology. Sure. And you know what good theology is? Joy. Like we, we study the book and we don't glean what it says. What does James say? Be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. Joy. Joy. This is Paul's encouragement. So tonight what we want to do is we want to sit under Paul's teaching and we want to tap into his heart and his experience. We want to look at what it is about the presence of God that so compelled his heart when he was in a prison cell to experience this. What's the word? Joy. Joy. He experienced it. It's Paul. What were the practices? This is the question I want to ask. What were the practices which became portals of joy in the life of Paul? Because the scripture is going in verses 1 to 11. There's going to be some things that Paul unpacks that I think we can glean from. And the good news is that if you come here tonight and you're a Christian, or even if you're not yet a Christian, these are things which I'm going to invite you to step into tonight as well. There should be no reason tonight for any one of us to hop out of this place without feeling joy. Because remember this, joy is not a choice. Sorry, joy is not a circumstance or a situation. It's a choice. Everyone's laughing when the preacher gets the word wrong. It's like, great. All right, let's dig in. Okay, point number one. Where did Paul get joy? Paul found joy in the mission. Paul found joy in the mission of God. Verse 3 says this, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Why? Because of your partnership in the gospel. For Paul, the main mission of God was that the gospel of Jesus, the good news about Jesus Christ, would go out and get sent to a generation. So when Paul thinks about people in a prison cell, he begins to experience joy because within the gospel, there is joy. 
within anything to do with God, there is joy. That's what Paul believes in. Paul starts his letter with communicating his thankfulness for the people of God. And his thankfulness for the people of God come alive in the mission of God. So I ask the question, how do we persevere in joy and thankfulness in the church? Again, you want to be a good witness to people who don't yet know Jesus in your secular workplace? Probably be a person who embodies joy. It's like, well, it's, it's a bit bizarre, right? Like, it's like, all right, you want to come to my church? It's really boring. It's like, no. Do you want to come and meet Jesus? Because he's full of joy. And he wants to make you happy. You guys are getting used to my preaching. You're not used to someone yelling at you. I'm going to keep doing it. Joy. Woo. It's good. All right. Imagine if God birthed that in our hearts tonight. Imagine tonight if we went out of here as sent people with the gospel, as Paul says, carrying this beautiful message in jars of clay, and we went out there and we shared it with people, and the thing that they coupled with the gospel was this, joy. Imagine if next week when we do Alpha, what what kind of covers our meeting is this, joy. And I know our leaders, our Alpha leaders, they are literally, they embody joy because they know that when someone meets Jesus, that gives you a reason to have joy. And this is Paul, right? Paul is the man who is the most amazing missionary getting sent out, preaching the gospel, leading churches, planting churches. And do you think Paul did it like this? Oh, I'm just going to work today. I just like, he's got to tell people about Jesus. He's got to plant a few churches, come and worship with God's people. He's like, no, I'm in jail and I'm happy because the gospel's going out. Partnership in the gospel is a reason for Paul with joy. Because for Paul, you cannot separate the mission of God from joy. The two are the same thing. Sometimes people go, Dill, you just write really loud. Like, are you a fake? Are you faking it? Sometimes. <laughs> Often not. <laughs> like, anyway, it's like, it's, it's amazing. Like, okay, I want to go to a verse, right? Come with me to Isaiah 61. This is going to get your hearts going tonight, right? Isaiah 61. I'm not even going to bother finding it. I got it on the paper. It says this, right? I'm going to take my notes for a second. It says this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. That's a reason for joy. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Right? No sacred secular divide. It's not about being a super celebrity Christian and just preaching. It's about embodying the ways of the kingdom. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives. You know what someone does when they leave jail? They don't go out like, oh, see ya, and just, they, they, they go out there like leaping and praising God, right? Let's go. And to release, to freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Do you know that that's God's assignment for your life as well, is to embody that? You ask the question like, you know, who is this for? Everyone. John Wimber, the, the founder of the Vineyard Church, he has this amazing line, and it's this, in the kingdom of God and the church of God, everyone gets to play. It's not Dylan, Aaron, Alex, anyone else. Like, ah, yuck. That culture's yuck. It's everyone. Everyone gets to play. Isaiah 61 can, should and can become your mantle for your life so that where you go and where God takes you, you free the poor. You, you liberate the poor. You heal the sick in Jesus' name. Like, this is the reality. Something about the mission of God so captivated Paul's heart that even in jail, it gave him reason to pray with joy. And that joy is on offer for you tonight. Joy wells up in Paul's heart. Paul had dug the well so deep in the Lord that he knew how to come back to a place of joy. Because think about this. Before this moment, Paul has cast demons out. He's healed the sick. 
He's done all the things. Then he goes in jail. Now, the fascinating thing about COVID is people are like, oh, I'm stuck in my room. It's like Paul got stuck there, and he still had joy because his wells were dug deep in God. It's good news. Amen? This is why at New Life, our vision is this, to see more people become more like Jesus. Because we know that the more that we partner with Jesus and we preach the gospel and people come to know him, the more people experience joy. And it's for this reason. The mission of God is not mundane. It's dynamic. We're excited about what the Lord is doing in Australia right now. It's not boring. I did not leave my job to become a pastor because I thought it was boring. I'm not saying you do that, but I'm saying that I had all the stuff over here. I want to be a part of what God's doing in the coming generation because the mission of God is amazing. And some of you need to hear this. 1 Peter 2.9, it's on my heart for some of you tonight, and it's this. But you are a chosen people. All right, just let this sink over you for a moment. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. God's special possession. You're God's possession. Called so that you may declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's the mission and mantle over your life. Does that give you reason to have joy? Because that's for you. Point two is this. Paul, for the, the mission of God, Paul got joy through this. Confidence in the character of God. Verse six says this. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in your life will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Okay, not only does God promise that the more that you partner with the gospel, the local church, and see the good news of Jesus touch a people, the second promise is this, that God will continue something in your life that he started. He's going to do that for you. Some of us are like, oh, just Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. And you're like, awesome, repentance, great place to start and continue. It's good. Second stage is this. What happens when you experience something hard in your life or you don't feel like you measure up? Does the gospel liberate you or oppress you at that moment? Paul says this. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. God initiated your salvation and he'll continue your sanctification. He's going to do both of these things in your life. He will carry it on because he does the heavy lifting. I said this to Rabina last week. I was praying with a, a young person, and it came to mind that, that this, God is the strong one in your relationship. He's the one carrying you along, right? We're not the strong one. It's God. It's really good news. So this is salvation and sanctification. Why is this good news? Two reasons. Firstly, it's good news for you and I. Because whenever we get to a place in our life where things get stuck and they stop and we feel like we reach a bit of a, a, bit of a moment, God says that it's all right. I've got you and I'm going to carry you along. I'm going to take your hand. I'm going to be leading you. It is I who led the Israelites through the desert, and it's me who's going to lead you right now. Second thing is this, and I want to speak to Christian leaders on this point. Second thing, it's good news for the mission. Why is it good news for the mission? Because it's not about you controlling people, and it's not about you doing something with people as if you're the one who's holding them. It's God. So what do we need to do as Christians? And what does the coming generation need to do? This, hop down and let him be God. That's where we begin. That's the posture that God's after. So it's good news for us too. Why is it good news for me? It means that I don't have to be a super Christian. It means that I just lead in the way that God has called me to lead, whether it's in my secular workplace, whether it's in church, and God's anointing will just come upon me as I seek to elevate Jesus. Very good news. It's good, Aaron. All right. Therefore... <laughs> Paul finishes this off and he says this, that the character of God persists until the return of Jesus. So not only are we promised it in this like little intermediate thing, we are promised this till Jesus himself comes back. Yeah. Like, I don't know about you, but I have had seasons in my life where I wake up, I'm like, oh, do I believe? 
I've had seasons of, of hurt. I've hurt within churches. And I go, is this worth it, Lord? And then the Lord, it's like he, he comes down and he visits me again and he says, it is worth it. Because I'm coming back on this side. And what am I going to do when I come back? I'm going to wipe away every tear from every eye. I'm going to make everything good again. And then I go, all right, you're going you're gonna to do it, so I'm going to partner with you while you do it. It's very good news. Psalm 68, verse 19 to 20. Let's look at David and see what the character of God did to David's heart. He did this, verse 19. Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. Our God is a God who saves. It lifts his soul. It lifts the load of oppression off of his life. The character of God is good news. And point three is this. Paul found joy through love for the people. Verse 7 says this, It is right for me to feel this way about you since I have you all in my heart. You know what's beautiful about the church at the moment too? Is we're taking the best of the leadership world, but we're actually orientating ourselves under Jesus. Because for too long, leadership was about someone leading heavy-handed and hurting people along the way. And Jesus comes along and he, and, he, and he completely rewires the kingdom of God and how people are to act. So that where there was oppression, there, there becomes liberty. Where there was control, there, there becomes freedom. Paul got this. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. Paul was a pastor. He wasn't a leader. He was a pastor. He had the people of God in his heart. And something of the heart that Paul carried with him is the heart of Jesus. And it's this, that he loves you, that he cares for you, that we need to know this. We need to know the Father heart of God, the spirit of adoption upon our lives, which allows us to cry out, Abba, Father, I love you, come close to me. Some of you are like, Dylan, you always say this every coffee we have. The reason I do, because I took 10 years to understand it. We need to get this message. The spirit of adoption. Paul says, I have you in my heart. Whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, or all of you sharing God's grace with me, God can testify how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. How does Paul relate to the people of God? With love and affection. I don't know about you, but I feel in this moment a bit of a challenge with that. It's like, am I grumpy at people? Have people hurt me and I'm like, oh, I'm going to wage war against you in my soul? And then I see Paul here, the guy who was mocked, beaten, the Pharisees hated him, he was a chief Pharisee, and then his own people betrayed him. And yet he says this, there's affection in my heart. I get encouraged about the gospel, God's grace, you sharing God's grace with me. I get the sense Paul knew how to do business with God. And I wonder tonight whether you can feel and hear the soft voice of the Spirit encouraging you to do business with him as well, to release something from your heart tonight. So I get the sense that Paul knew how to do business with God. He was in jail for the work of the gospel, yet he was exceedingly thankful. And that's from that place he gave joy out of his heart. He says, I long for you all with the affection of Jesus. And then Paul finishes with this in verse 9. He says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is the best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, true religion. Righteousness comes through accepting the heart of God. Pharisees over here were people who did all the right things, but God says, you honor me with your lips, but your heart's far from me. 
Christians are people who choose joy and cultivate joy through the love of Jesus Christ upon their lives. It's Christians. It's beautiful. So I want to conclude with this and ask you this question again. Do you know joy? C.S. Lewis said this amazing quote, and like he's a dude who can make an amazing quote be like seven words, and it's this. He says, joy is the serious business of heaven. Amen. Like heaven, like the boring place where there's the angel kids. It's like <laughs> joy is the serious business of heaven. Heaven is not sitting there and in, in reverence. Like it is, like the elders come around the throne. Don't get me wrong. But also, there's joy. There's joy in the waters. The rivers of God well up from within us, and we're a people who experience joy. Lewis was making a profound statement that the nature of joy and, its significant, and of its significance in the life of the Christian. For Lewis, joy was not simply a passing emotion or a temporary, temporary feeling of happiness. Instead, he believed that joy was an essential aspect of our experience of God. To know God was to know joy. And I think somewhat Paul would have thought the same thing. So the ultimate goal of the Christian life was not merely to avoid sin or to achieve moral perfection, but to experience the fullness of joy which comes from the presence of God. Because when you find hope and love and security in God, you want to serve Him. You want to love Him. It's easy. It's light. So I want to encourage every, uh, the band to come up now. And I want to encourage us tonight to open our hearts to joy. Very simple. Like, I'm, I'm not overly intelligent. Like, it's nothing profound. But like, open your heart to joy tonight. It's a posture. Hebrews tells us this, that faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. So what I want to do now is actually invite you to stand and I want to actually read some scriptures over you and declare some scriptures over you tonight. Because what I want you to see is this, that joy is actually in the biblical narrative. It's not just me being contained to a teaching series. It's this. So I'm going to start with this. Psalm 45, 7 says this. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. And in this moment, I wonder, like, do you just want to close your eyes? Like, do you want to just want to imagine that God is actually in this moment giving you a gift of joy? A couple more verses. Psalm 126, 1 to 3 says, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Who would have thought that God ordains laughter? Our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are all filled with joy. Psalm 16, 11, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 35, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Some of you need to hear this tonight. Weeping may stay for the night, stay for the night, but rejoicing and joy comes in the morning. That's the promise of the gospel message of Jesus. You might be in a hard season right now. You might be experiencing incredible pain. You might be experiencing relationships with a broken down. You might be sick. Weeping is okay. But just know that God says that joy will come in the morning. And lastly, Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And this is really the word for tonight. You can't get joy yourself. You need the Holy Spirit to birth it within your heart. 
So tonight, why don't we pray? And can I encourage you? And it's this. We're going to sing some songs tonight. There's going to be a team of people down here who would love to pray for you, that you would receive joy. There are a team of people here who have been prayerfully considering how they can love you and pray for you. So in this moment, as we begin to sing, why don't you come down and why don't you receive the joy that God has for you tonight? Amen. Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast. If that stirred something within you or you'd like prayer, you can head to church.nu forward slash prayer or contact us through our Instagram or Facebook page. We pray that you have a great week. Be blessed.